Thank you for joining us as we worship together. We are in week two of The Thread. We started last week on this journey together, looking at the thread through the entire story of God's redemptive plan that Jesus would come to live, to die, to rise again, that we could be connected with God. And that story is threaded through all of God's scripture, Genesis to Revelation. If you are just jumping in and you missed last week, really encourage you to go back and watch that, get caught up. We did an overview and we talked about the overarching story of God's redemptive plan from Genesis to Revelation, that God would bring all things together, that he would create the universe, and that he would make a covenant with a group of people that he might bless the whole world through them. They find themselves in slavery through miracles. God brings them out, establishes them as a people, gives wise rulers. They turn away. They find themselves abandoned from their land. They return back by the grace of God, but then they wait for 400 years for God to bring the next peace. And finally, Jesus arrives on the scene. He introduces us to the kingdom of God. He redeems us by his death and resurrection. He gives birth to the church, which we are living in today. And we know one day he's going to come again to usher in a new creation and that the dead will rise again. This is the overarching story of God's redemptive plan. Today, we're going to talk about creation. Next week, we're going to talk about the patriarchs. Encourage you to join us uh, as our pastor Hunter Upton is going to lead us through that. But let's look today at what we see of God. How do we find Jesus in creation? If you look through the history of humanity, Creation has always been a part of our world. And I'm not just talking about the very beginning when God said, let there be light and things started to come to life. But I'm talking about even after that. I mean, it's, God has placed it in the human DNA to have the desire and the ability to create. And think about the world we live in. You've got the creation, the establishment of tools, uh, the creation of language. How about writing? Uh, the arts, painting, literature, poetry, music, drama, sculptures, all of these amazing things that, that make life enjoyable, that are beautiful and good, that God has placed within our heart, within our minds, within our will to have the desire and the ability to make things in the world. This is a gift that God has given us. And here's the cool thing about any kind of creation when you start to talk about that, is that the creation reflects the creator. I could take a work of art. I could take a building that an architect and, and construction uh, leaders bring into to being. I could talk about poetry, literature, uh, a sculpture, anything like that. And what was made is reflecting who made it. It's going to reflect their experiences in life. It's going to reflect their character and who they are. It's the very same with God. We can see the character, the heart of who God is by taking a good look at what he has made. So that's going to be our challenge today. We're going to start right at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, starting to take a look at what we can find of God in creation. So let's take a look together. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning... God created. And just pause for just a second. What we're going to find here is that the, the foundational truth of 
all of Genesis 1 and 2 are right here in these words. In the beginning, God created. What did he create? He created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. We get caught up a lot as we read through Genesis 1, Genesis chapter 2. Hopefully you were reading through those, those this week. And there's all these kind of questions about how and when and what was the timing and what was the order and how did all this happen? And those are great questions to wrestle with. But the foundational truth is not about how, it's about who. And it's right here in the beginning, God. That God is the author of creation. Not you or me or anybody else, but God, when nothing existed, when there was no time, there was no space, there was no matter, there was absolutely nothing by the imagination of God and through his word, which was the word of God. We see it in John chapter one, identified as the son of God. He is speaking things into being. It is the author of life is God himself, which means the power, the honor, the glory, the worship, is all in the universe directed toward God. And we're going to find later as we explore today that often what we want to do is we want to invert that and make it about us, but it is about God. And the very fact that God created reveals some things to us about God. So let's take a look at this. In the beginning, meaning that before this, there was nothing that there was a starting point. There was a place where it all started. And before that, there was nothing. The Greek word is ek nihilo. It means from nothing. It means that God didn't take a pile of stuff and shape it into something, but God literally out of himself brought all of creation. That there was nothing to work with and God created even the pieces that make up the universe. And God said, let there be light. And it started to break into being. And why did God do that? Why did our glorious, powerful, amazing God do that? Well, one of the reasons is God created for the sake of love. That God is love and so God created in love that all the things that we have in the world, life itself is an expression of God's love to you, to me, to the world. We sang earlier, God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's just who God is. And so even in his act of creation, the universe itself was a gift to us to enjoy. It is an avenue for God to express his love. And then God also created for his glory. By definition, if God is God, then God is a God of glory. Because he is above all things. He's above time. He's above space. He's above matter. He's above our will. He's above all things. And because he is above all things, there's a level of God that you and I can never comprehend, that we will never match up to. And he is glorious. We've talked about this before, this just incredible universe that we live in, the, the, the massiveness of it, the expansion of it, the beauty of it is all pointing toward the glory of a creator who demands by the nature of who he is, our worship and surrender. So God creates from nothing in love for glory. And my invitation to us today is to pause and reflect on that. And there's a lot of mess 
a lot of mess to see in the world, a lot of brokenness. And I believe that if we would just pause for a moment and look at the grandness of what God has done and see how it reflects the greatness and the, the majesty of who our God is, that a few things are gonna happen. Number one is we're gonna be moved to worship more. Because as we look at the greatness of creation and we realize there's a God above all of that, we're gonna be just in awe of who he is. And we're gonna be moved to worship more. We're gonna be moved to worry less because we're gonna see the power of God and realize that there is nothing beyond our God. I know so often when we face struggles and we face difficulty and heartache and grief and just the pain of life, it can be right here in our face that that's all we can see and we miss the sight of the greatness of God. But in all of it, God is working for good and redeeming and restoring and there's nothing beyond our great God. And we will be moved to worry less and we will grow in wisdom. Specifically, we will grow in wisdom and just what God is up to in this world. So let's talk about that. What is God up to? What is the purpose of all this? If God didn't need this creation, if it was just to love and, and for his glory, why this? Why the universe? Why did God do it this way? What is God doing when he gives us life? Well, let's look at that. We've Fast forward a little bit, Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image. Here he is, he's breathing life into humanity. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we are a reflection of our creator. And then we continue, two things, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. What is God up to in giving us life? He creates us to bless us and he creates us to give us responsibility. So let's talk about each of these at one at a time. Number one, God, we are created for blessing. We are created for blessing. God blessed them. That's the first thing that God does after creating life as he gives them a blessing. There's so much we talked about. There's just junk in the world. Even before 2020 ever entered the picture, every single one of us, we got our own mess, our own brokenness, our own grief, our own heartache, our own regrets, our only, all those things that we would have done differently if we could do it again. And we, we just have stuff. And it'd be so easy to focus on that. We would do well to pause and step back and look at what God is doing in the world and realize that God is for me. He's for you. He wants to bring goodness and love into your world. If you read through Genesis 1, five times, God says it is good. You get to the end of Genesis 1 and he says it is very good. God's intention for the world was that it would be a good expression of his love to us, that we would receive it, experience it. That's why food tastes good and colors are pretty and the wind feels good on our face and we love a sunny day. It's because God wants us to experience the goodness of his love as a blessing from him. 
And yeah, we lived in a broken, messed up world. And we're going to get to the answer to that is why he sent Jesus and why Jesus has always been a part of the plan. When we get to the end of this story together in Revelation, God is going to bring a new heaven and a new earth through Jesus, his son, who is redeeming and restoring all things. And he's going to bring God's intention fully into our lives through his son. What would it look like for us to dwell less on the stuff of life and more on the blessing that God is ushering in, even in the midst of the mess? How is God bringing his blessing? God creates for blessing. God also creates us with responsibility. And this is key to understand. It's not just that God would make everything good and wonderful. That's not. God wants us to join with him. He says, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth. And here it is, and subdue it and rule over it. God is saying to us, I want you to join with me in this creative process that I'm bringing about. I I don't want to just be at all about me, but I want you to be invited into connection with me and relationship with me and my purposes for the world. And so God is inviting us to be about order in the world. That we would, number one, that we would be about work. Did you realize that all of this is happening before the fall? That God's inviting us to work in his creation, not as a curse, but as part of the blessing. Now, a lot of you are thinking, no, you don't know my job. Uh, Monday morning is the curse of all curses. No, but work is a part of God's blessing in our lives. That, that we would do it with integrity and that we would do it as unto the Lord, Scripture says, that we work as if we're working for God and not for somebody else as an act of worship to Him, as an act to impact and make a difference in the life of somebody else around us through our work or in our work. God also calls us to bring order to the chaos. I don't have to try to convince you very hard that we live in a chaotic world. And you can look at the news You look at social media, you can look out your front door and you can see the chaos of the world that we live in. And we better be careful if we are followers of Jesus that we are not participating in the chaos. But we're bringing order. Very well-meaning, good intention followers of Christ are often contributing to the chaos. You know, you better believe what I believe. You better fall on this side of the line. You better shape up and get over here. And if not, then there's something wrong with you and you're left out. And we divide ourselves from even other believers in Christ. I want to ask you, I didn't even lift this up in the first service, but this is just something I've been praying for. Would you join me in praying for unity in the church around the world right now? And yeah, we're going to have differences of opinion and, and all these other things, but we've got to be unified if we're going to express the, the gospel, the good news to the world. And, and God's calling us to bring order. God's also calling us to care for his creation. That means nature and the world that we live in and the people in it. That we be good stewards of what God has given us and that we participate in God's creative work. I believe that every single one of us here and everybody with us online, God has placed a passion on your heart that is burning inside of you that God put there on purpose so that you would join with him in what he's doing in the world. Some of you have really artistic gifts and abilities. Create beautiful things. Some of you have leadership abilities. Lead well. 
and help other people step into their calling. Some of you have administrative gifts or relational gifts. Use them well to bring good and beautiful and right things into the world. And then we care for the people in the world that we treat them with love and kindness and goodness and we treat them as if the redemption that we talk about is actually a true possibility for them. How much of our lives do we treat people as if they're already a lost cause? You've hurt me, you've broken, you made bad decisions, you keep doing it over and over again. What if instead we see the best in people and what God can do and wants to do and we treat them as if that's a reality? And we become a reason for them to be stepping into redemption, not a hurdle to it. God calls us to be a part of the ordering of the world. But God also calls us to be about creating in the world, about bringing beautiful things into the world, about lifting up and celebrating beautiful, good things in the world. It's a, 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 a wonderful but difficult responsibility. This invitation that God gives us to receive blessing, to receive responsibility is clear through all of scripture. But so much of the time we miss it, I think. And you ever feel like you're trying to do the right stuff, like you're going to church, you're doing Bible study, you're going to worship, you're reading your Bible, you're saying your prayers, and you just still feel like you're missing something? You feel like, you know, I'm just not like getting that thing that God's trying to get me to get. I think one of the reasons that we feel that way sometimes is there's just one major barrier in our lives that every single one of us struggle with. And here it is. God created us to receive, but we are tempted to consume. He created us to receive, but we're tempted to consume. Now, what in the world am I talking about? Well, let me tell you the difference between receiving and consuming. To receive is to be open to the gift, to the blessing, with a certain focus on the giver over the gift. That we enjoy the gift because of where it comes from. That we enjoy the blessings of life because it draws us into the goodness of God. We enjoy the creation that God has given us because we know that it is pulling us, drawing us into a connection with the lover of our souls, the creator of our lives, the savior from our sin. The goodness is bringing us into the goodness of the giver. But on consuming, this is what consuming is. It's I see what I think I want and I go and take it. Not receiving it as a gift, but I think that I want that and I'm gonna go and take it for myself. How much of our lives we end up in a place where we don't wanna be because we think that we see something that we want and we go and take it. And I'm not talking about, you know, being responsible and working hard and envisioning and, and seeing the future. Those are all great and wonderful things. But I mean, it's like there's something just instinctual in us that we just take what we want no matter what it means. And that temptation that we face comes from a misplaced desire. And it's because of that misplaced desire that we are broken that we hurt ourselves and others, that we find ourselves in this disconnect from God. We find ourselves lonely, we find ourselves hopeless. All comes down to these misplaced desires. And this is why God knew that we need Jesus to come do for us what we could not do for ourselves. 
That later in the story, when God gives a curse, he's going to curse the serpent. We're going to see in just a minute. And he, and he says to the serpent that there will be a descendant who will come and he will crush your head. And it has always been part of God's plan that Jesus will come and crush the sin and the brokenness and the misplaced desires in our heart. And he would redeem us. So let's take a look at this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. What's going on? God had said, you can have all of the fruit, all of the trees of the garden, except for one. The serpent comes and says, did God really say that? Did God really say you can't have this? And then this, this takes place. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. This means he was elbow to elbow with her. And he ate it. Here's the fall, the brokenness entering the world because of three misplaced desires. Here's the first. She said, it was good for food. It's the misplaced desire of the body. It's when we say to ourselves, this feels good right now. I got to tell you, there's many times in my life where I've ended up in a place where I didn't want to be because I took something that I felt felt good right then. Not the ultimate longing of my heart. This never leads me, the, what feels good right now never leads me to the real longing of my heart. But what feels good right now is just because I'm just short-sighted and it's what I feel what, that I want right now. And it's often what I really don't want and often what I really don't need, but it's right here and it's right now and it looks good. And we take it and we find ourselves hurting ourselves and we hurt others. What if we paused in that moment and we asked ourselves the question, where is this leading me to? And is it a place that I wanna be? They would say, Holy Spirit, get a hold of me right now. My, my vision is short. Help me to see down the road, where is this leading me to? A misplaced desire of the body. And she saw that it was pleasing to the eye. This is the misplaced desire of what we see. That we see what's over there and we want it. Have you ever been in that place? Can, can I get a, a testimony here today? You've been in that place where you didn't really want something and you didn't even know something existed and you were just fine without it. And then you see it and you've wanted it like you've never wanted anything before and you just gotta have it and your life is incomplete without it. You were just fine before you knew it existed. But when so-and-so had it and you saw it, you just gotta have it right now. You don't know how you did life without it before ever been in that place? The misplaced desire of what we see, what's over there? How many of us have been in a place where we don't want to be? You got bills you don't want to pay. You got stuff you don't want to take, take care of. You got stuff that's falling apart because you bought into the lie of what's over there. How many of us have been in that place? We would do well to say, God, in that moment, Holy Spirit, I need you to speak truth over me. God, where are you already blessing me in my life with relationships that are leading me toward fulfillment, with a purpose in my life, with a roof over my head and food in my stomach and clothes on my back. God, you've given me something to be a part of. God, you sent me your Holy Spirit to do life with you. God, there are so many blessings that I can't even count. Get my eyes off of what's over there and get it right here with you. The misplaced desire of what we see. And then 
She says, and it was desirable for gaining wisdom. But here's the irony here, is that she didn't really want wisdom. What she wanted was to change places with God. She wanted to know what God knew. This is the misplaced desire of pride. It's where you and I say, you know, I deserve that. That's, that's owed to me. And, and ultimately we want to change places with God, not that we would serve God, but he would serve us. And so we come to God and we say, God, answer my prayers. God, fix this situation. God, give me what I want. God, move in the way that I prescribe for you to move. God, do what I need you to do. And when we pray, we want God to answer our prayers, not in his will, for his glory and for our good. We want God to pr answer our prayers right now, the way we want it, how we want it. And we forget Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God created. Not Jonathan created or, or anybody else. In the beginning, God created. At the end of the day, he is God and he is, and I am not. And I would do well and we would all do well in those moments where we find ourselves struggling with pride to say, God, would you reveal to me, Holy Spirit, reveal to me where God has already displayed his power and his glory that I would remember who you are. You are the God of the universe. You are the God of salvation. You are the God of all truth. God, you are the God of life. And I am a very poor ruler of my own life. <laughs> I do not make a good God and neither do you. God, help me to put you back. Let me reorient my life toward you. I wonder where we're struggling with these misplaced desires today. The desire of the body, the desire of what we see, the desire of pride. And how are they leading us away from the heart of God, from the glory of God? that we're just like Adam and Eve and God is saying, here's all of my creation for you. Here are all the blessings. Here's the purpose. Here's the life. Here's the peace. Here's the power. Here's the calling. Here's everything I wanna bring into your life. Here's my son, Jesus, who I've given for you. Here's the Holy Spirit to empower and lead and guide you to breathe life into this church. I'm giving it all to you. And if you will just stay away from this brokenness, this rebellion, this rejection of me, you can have all of this. And we're like, well, but what about, well, yeah, I want this though. What is it that's leading us away from the heart of God? And how can we come back and see God's goodness in his creation to remind us just who God is? So here's my invitation for us today is that we would pause, we would see and we would surrender to what God wants to do, that we would pause and see the grandness of who God is and his, his wonderful universe, that we would see what God is up to in the midst of it, and we would surrender to God's call. So if you'll stand, I wanna pray for us, but I wanna do something a little different before we close out. As you stand, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. As you close your eyes, I want you to imagine the darkness that was present before God said those very first words, an emptiness, a void. 
And somewhere seemingly from the distance, God says, let there be light. And we see the light breaking into the darkness. And God speaks over it and he says, separate the light from the dark. And God creates the waters and he says, separate the waters from one another. God creates the seas and the land, separate them. And then God says, let there be all kinds of living creatures in the sea, in the sky, on the land. And then God speaks over it all and he says, and let us create. Let me create them in my image. Let us create John in my image. Let's create Ben in our image. Let's create Kathy, Spring, Susanna. Let's create Bunny. Let's create Chris. Let's create Christy. Let's create Kathy. Let's create them in our image. Out of love for our glory, Let's breathe life into them. Let's bring it all together. And then God says to you, I did it for you. Not just the world. I did it for you. It was always about you. When I laid the foundations of the earth, I knew that it would cost me my son, but I did it for you because I love you. I choose you, I cherish you. Would you receive that today? Do you hear the words of your heavenly father speaking over you? And we open our eyes together and I implore you, I, I beg you that you would pause in the midst of a, a very difficult world right now, but you would pause and see that God is still creator and redeemer. You would see his work in your life and around you and that you would surrender. And this is what I mean by surrender is that you would believe, you would receive and you would respond. That you would believe that God is God. Believe that he sent his son Jesus for you. That you would receive that truth. Scripture tells us, confess with our mouth and trust with our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that you would respond in worship and obedience and saying, Lord, here's my life. I don't know where you are in that journey, but every single one of us have a next step in that. Maybe it's an act of praise, of worship. It might be, God, you've been calling me to take this step forever and I just gotta take it now. I don't know the answers, it's scary, but I just gotta take it. It might be that you'd be like, you know what? I've been in church, but I've never really pursued God and, and opened myself to his pursuit. I've never really trusted God. And maybe I believed, but I've never received. And so God, I need to take that step. I don't know where you are, but let God speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit move you by faith to respond to his goodness. Let the creation around us be the evidence of what he wants to do in your life and receive it today. So I'm gonna pray for us. These altars are open if you'd like to come and pray as we sing. But let's open ourselves to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us in this moment. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we praise you. We worship you. We honor you. God, we join with the angels in lifting up the glory of who you are. Regardless of what we say or think or feel, you are God, you are glorious, you are majestic, you are beautiful, you are powerful, you are God, everything. 
You're the creator of life, the redeemer, the sustainer, the savior. Thank you for sending Jesus for us. God, that our misplaced desires have brought us into a place that we can't find our way out of. So Jesus comes into our world, into our lives to break it and set us free. God, help us to believe it and receive it and respond today. When we struggle, when we lose sight, God, help us just pause and see in the universe, in the stars, in the breeze across our face, in the smile of a child, in the smell of flowers or good food or whatever it might be. God, remind us of the greatness of who you are so that we could step back by faith into your arms again. Come Holy Spirit, work in us and through us, around us right now. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.